0: This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. This week's message included the YouTube video, Free Hugs. You may want to watch this video before listening to this week's message. You can find it online at youtube.com and search for Free Hugs. You can also find a link to the Free Hugs video in this week's podcast comments. And now, this week's message. If there was ever a video shot for New Life, that would be it right there, right? That's just, that's awesome. That's the fifth time I've seen that video and every single time I've, I've been moved to tears someplace in there, some different place, different times. Uh, But a couple of things have come to me as I've watched that. And the first one is this, life is complicated. Yeah, something as simple as a free hug, we find a way to complicate that, don't we? Guy holds up a sign and people look at him and they think, ooh, what's up with that? (laughs) In fact, did you notice that some people walk by and some people even walk by a little quicker? (laughs) Exactly, that guy must be a pervert. Uh, We can complicate anything. And, And then when it finally catches on, did you notice how contagious it was? And people that weren't even anywhere near the signs were hugging each other. And then, of course, the long arm of the law steps in and things get even more complicated, and then we have to have petitions in order to hug people. (laughs) It's just amazing how complicated life can get. And you know, I'm talking to you this morning about a subject that's very complicated. That's the subject of friendship. But no matter how complicated life gets, the second principle that came to me as I watched that video is friendship is beautiful. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't care whether it's the little old lady that hugged him, whether it was the people in on the sidewalk walking by, the skateboarder that ollied over his friend and then went up and hugged him, it, you know, the little old lady that tried to leap into his arms, you know. It's it, it just, as I was watching that, I realized, you know what's so special about a hug? A hug is a momentary friendship. When you stop and think about it, virtually all the elements of a healthy friendship are present in a hug. There's the concept of togetherness. That's there in a hug. There's the concept of vulnerability that every good friendship has to have. That's there in a hug. There's the concept of acceptance. That's there in a hug. There's the concept of some form of intimacy. That's there in a hug. In fact, virtually all of the major elements that we all look for in friendships somehow get communicated to us in the moment of a hug if the hug is meant. If it says, I'm glad we're together. If it says, I accept you into my private space. If it says, you belong here. If it says, I make myself vulnerable to you. If it says, I embrace you as an equal in life. I'm not hugging down to you. I'm not hugging up to you. I'm just reaching my arms around you. As I look at our world, I realize that though we live, most of us, in either urban or suburban areas, where there's no shortage of people, I realize that most people struggle with loneliness in some form or another. So this morning, we're going to talk about friendship. And... uh, On the inside of your program, there's a place, uh, there's a thing called uh, New Life Notes. I encourage you to pull that out now and follow along and fill in the blanks. I've already given you answers to a couple of them. The first one is life is complicated and the second one is friendship is and it is beautiful. Now, if you've been here the last couple of weeks, the first week we dealt with toxic faith and then last week we dealt with toxic family And in dealing with toxic family, I talked about such issues as drawing boundaries and other things. And actually, many of the things that you're going to have to do in order to deal with toxic friends are the exact same actions that that I talked to you about last week. So rather than stand up here and say the same thing all over again, and you go, boy, didn't I just hear that somewhere recently? Okay. If you weren't here last week, I want to encourage you to stop by the information center uh, and get a CD. I get, either that or at the book table and get a CD of Last Sunday Sermon. Or if you're tech savvy, you just go straight to the website, download the podcast, and away you go. But you're going to need to know those actions. I'm not going to go back through all of those actions today that we talked about last week. But I do want to talk to you about friendship and then I'm going to apply it somewhat in the field of toxic friendships, especially as we get to the end of this particular sermon. Because Um, That's what I really feel like God wants us to do this morning. Let me teach you three, no, four wonderful lessons or principles about friendship and what the Bible has to say about them. And the first is this, friendships change people. It's very clear. In fact, let's read from God's Word three different passages Now, the author of Ecclesiastes is pointing out to us that friendship in life is a great thing. And when friendship is healthy, it makes everybody better. Two people can get more done together than either of them could get done individually and then add it up. It's a thing we called synergy. Now, let me read you another passage of Scripture. Proverbs 22, do not be a friend of one who has a bad temper. And never keep company with a hothead or what? You will learn his ways and set a trap for yourself. Some of you are going, "Uh uh-oh, I married that person. (laughs) That's when you go get the sermon from last week and learn how to draw boundaries, all right? (laughs) Okay? But the point is here, he's saying, you got to be careful who you make friends with. Because in Ecclesiastes, he says, friends can be a great thing. And here in Proverbs, he says, But not all friends are great. Let me read you one more. He who walks with the wise grows wise. But a companion of fools, what happens to him? Suffers harm. You see, the point is, friendships change people. You see, every person that you invite into your life changes you in some way. And if you invite anyone into your life on a regular basis... In my notes, I, I wrote the word the words magnetic force. It's like every friendship in your life has this invisible force that's pulling you in some direction. Some of you were at church this morning because a friend in your world exerted a magnetic force in your life and, and they began to pull you in the direction of of the church. And they said, I want you to come and go to church with me because God's making a difference in my life. And I would love for you to be able to experience that difference. And so they're pulling you in this direction. Some of you later on this week are going to encounter friends and they won't be pulling you toward the church. They'll be pulling you toward the bar. Would you come with me to the bar. Let's tip a few and, and everyone in your world now, Put it down up here. Every person you invite into your world is either making you a better person or they're tearing away at the things you value and your character. Because every friendship in the world exerts a force on your heart and your life. That's an important concept for you to know. Now, what determines whether it's a healthy friendship or a toxic friendship? Very simply, what direction are they pulling you? Every friendship in your world that's tearing away at your character, every friendship in the world that's eating away at the things that you value and tending to bring destruction into your life, I would say that's toxic, wouldn't you? I don't care how much you like them. I don't care how much you enjoy being around them. It's toxic if it produces the wrong things in your life. On the other hand, every relationship in your life that's pulling you in a healthy direction, that's, that's tending to build up the things that you value in life, that's tending to support your character, that's a healthy, healthy relationship, and you should hang on to it. So that's the first lesson that God wants us to know about friendships. Friendships change people. Now, the second lesson is this. Friendships change And a lot of times people don't understand this particular part of of what we're talking about, that friendships change. I run into people all the time who who struggle with bitterness and all sorts of other things. Why? Because some friendship in their life has changed and, and they just don't understand that. Well, let me read to you from the Bible about friendship and you'll see that's not a new thing. In fact, Paul writes here in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he says, now do your best, he's writing to his good friend Timothy, do your best to come to me quickly, for Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. That sound like a change for the better or the worse. That was probably painful. He goes on to say, "Creason's has, has gone to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Now get Mark and bring him with you because he's helpful to, to me in my ministry. Now there's a number of people, all of whom are listed in that passage, and they all have a history with the Apostle Paul who's writing. And in every case, a friendship has changed. Demas Paul probably has no relationship with anymore because Demas took a look at him and said, everything you talk about, Paul, is about Jesus. I'm sick of Jesus. I don't want to ever hear about Jesus again. Forget all that religious stuff. Forget about all that spiritual stuff. I'm, 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 I'm going to live for today. I'm out of here. See you later. And he was gone. Now, probably every person in this room has had a friend, maybe not for those reasons, but has had a friend who's just up and walked out of our lives. That hurts. Paul was hurting when he wrote this. And then he lists three other guys. He lists Creason's and Titus. And he lists Luke. Creason's and Titus, probably for good reasons had gone one to Galatia and the other to Dalmatia. I believe those guys were both preachers. I know Titus was for sure, and probably Crescens was as well. And these guys went to go preach in local congregations, but nevertheless they were no longer with Paul, and he was missing them. Luke was a longtime companion of Paul, and Luke was with him. And then Paul says, I want you to find Mark, and I want you to bring him to me. Now that's an interesting relationship, because Mark... That, that you would know about in your Bible is the guy who actually wrote the gospel of Mark in your Bible. His more full name was John Mark, and, and, and he was a guy that Paul had a long history with. And in fact, when Paul went out on his first journey to plant churches, he, he went with a fellow by the name of Barnabas, and John Mark was the nephew of Barnabas, and so it was just Paul and Barnabas, and together they took this young man, John Mark, along. And when the going got tough, John Mark said, I'm out of here. I thought this was vacation. I was out to see the world. You guys actually want to plant churches. What's up with that? Now, I don't know for sure that that's what he said. But the deal is, when it got tough, he left. And when Paul and Barnabas got ready to go on their second trip to plant churches, Barnabas said, you know, John Mark has grown up a lot. He's a lot different guy. Let's take him with us. And Paul said, not happening on my watch. Paul had been very deeply hurt by John Mark. So he had a good relationship and now it was a painful relationship. But somewhere along the line, Paul and John Mark had gotten together and they had mended that relationship and they had rebuilt that relationship. And now as Paul is in prison when he writes this and he's looking for someone to come and keep him company, he said, man... If you can find John Mark, would you bring him? I want to see him. Now think about that for a minute. What's principle number two? Friendships change. For some of you that's a big adjustment. Because some people feel like, why can't I ever just get a friend and keep him? Because all friendships change. I want to talk to you for just a minute about three kinds of friends. Because you need to know this. Otherwise, if you take all your friends and you kind of throw them in the same hopper, you're setting yourself up for some real hurt and real disappointment in life. The first kind of friend is a friend that I call a reason friend. These are people that come into your life for a particular reason. Let's just say that, um, golly, you got laid off from your job. That's a tough time. You come to church, and you're just, you're just here in church, and the guy next to you, or the guy in the, in, the, in the row in front of you, or behind you during meet and greet time, is, is shaking your hand and giving you a hug, and looks in your eyes and says, how are you doing? You're going, well, I've had better weeks. I just lost my job. And the guy looks at you and says, oh, I know how that feels. That just happened to me six months ago. You know, it was probably no accident that God had the two of you sitting kind of in the same area. Because that person may come into your life for a reason. They may have the encouragement that you need for that particular reason. These are people that maybe you don't have an affinity to. If you were just people just kind of hanging out in a group, you look at them and you might not be drawn to them, but because you have gone through or are going through a similar circumstance in life, for whatever reason, you become friends for a while. Those are reason friends. And when the reason is done, oftentimes the friendship just dissipates and goes away because that's a reason friend. Not because you rejected them or they rejected you. It, it just, that friendship existed for that reason. Then there are season friends. These are people that you're naturally drawn to. Many of you had these in college, right? So you go to college and you got to have a roommate and so you eventually get a roommate and you hang out you love to do stuff together and so, man, you are friends for that season and you're having a great time and you really enjoy that person, but in their junior year they transfer to a different college and you say goodbye and you say, We are going to stay in touch. Yeah, right. And six months later, you've never heard from them, they've never heard from you, And that was a season, friend. It was a wonderful time, and you enjoyed it thoroughly, but they were just in your life for a season. If you take that too much to heart, okay, you set yourself up for hurt. You have to allow room in your life for reason, friends. You have to allow room in your life for season, friends. Then there's a third kind of friend, and that's a lifetime friend. These are people that you're drawn to and you hang out and you have a great time and you love to be together and life moves on and you say, and we are going to stay in touch. And guess what? You do. And the amazing thing is with a lifetime friend, you know, I was sitting at a wedding yesterday and I was sitting with two students from Sonoma State University uh, who often come to this church. And uh, they saw me sitting at a table, and they said, hey, can we sit here? And so I said, sure. And they sat down, and one of them I knew, and the other one I didn't know because she's never been to New Life. And I said, well, introduce me to your friend. And so she did. And I said, well, how long have you two known each other? And they looked at each other, and they just broke out into a grin. They said, we've been together since kindergarten. And they said, you know, a few times we've been separated but the amazing thing is when we get back together again we just pick right up where we left off. It's like we've never been gone. Can you relate to that? Probably virtually everybody here has one or two friends that are lifetime friends. Can I tell you those are precious. Those are so good. And when you get one of those... Treasure that lifetime friendship. Because when you get back together again, there's no awkwardness. It's just like you would never been gone. Those are the kind of friends that the Bible talks about when it says two are better than one. Because they go through life together. So those are the three kinds of friends. Now, let's take a look at the primary reasons, and there are three of them, why sometimes even healthy friendships go toxic. We've all had that, right? we got this wonderful friendship and we're just sailing along through life and we're pretty sure this is a lifetime friend and then we hit some rough water or something happens and all of a sudden, boy, I tell you what, if you want to get hurt when you have a lifetime friend and it goes south in that relationship, that hurts. That hurts deeply. Well, there are three primary reasons, and here's the reason number one, is competition. You know, in my notes, I just wrote this. Friends don't compete. Isn't that true? In a healthy friendship... People are not in competition with one another. In fact, they are in partnership with one another. And any time that you introduce competition into a friendship, unless it's golf, okay? Just teasing, all right? Hey, But you know, there's a sense. Listen to me. I go golfing with a lot of friends and we laugh and stuff. But if that competition ever got really serious, what do you think would happen to that Friendship. It would get tainted, wouldn't it? Sure. Friendly competition is one thing. But any form of real competition begins to toxify a relationship. Because any form of competition, read it on the screen, any form of competition is simply rejecting God's plan of partnering with others. Virtually uh, just a vast majority of the sins that you can name have at their root competition. What about envy? Does that have any competition in it? What about jealousy? Does that have any competition in it? What about hate? Sometimes hate has competition in it. Sure. What about vengeance? Does that have co- yeah, that's got competition in it. What about bitterness? That's got competition in What about pride? Pride is all about competition actually. You just start naming them gossip. Oftentimes gossip has the whole competition sort of thing. I got to get more people on my side than they got on their side. Any time you introduce competition into a relationship, it starts to head south in a hurry. It's the second reason why relationships become toxic, and that's money. What's the old adage? Never loan money to friends or Relative that's the yeah, last week was family this week it's friends, all right? Why is that now it's more than just loaning money okay i've i've seen wonderful friendships fall into neglect and disrepair because two people who were drawn together and had a great time in life found themselves separated because one of them picked up a golf club and had no use for his friend anymore because now. His only friend was his golf club. And now some possession, some activity becomes more important than the people in this person's life. It happens all the time. And you thought, I thought, that I was a priority in that person's life. And now I find out I'm merely a convenience you know, when you drop from a priority to a convenience, does that hurt a little bit? Hurts a lot. Yeah, it does. Because when we begin to value possessions, whether it's money itself, or it's a hobby, or it's, it's, it's something that we own, what is it? It's rejecting God's priority of people over possessions. I want to pull over to the side of the road and I want to give you a little infomercial about a series of sermons that we have coming up in September. It's on family. Do you know that over and over and over again, do you know what I hear from teenagers? My parents' hobbies and activities and possessions have a higher priority in their life than I do. You know what that is? That's a toxic friendship. At the worst level, because it's in the home. It's between parents and their kids. So easy to happen. There's a third reason why good relationships go toxic, and that is bitterness. In fact, let me read to you what it says after bitterness. It's rejecting God's grace To deal with perceived unfairness. You see, no matter who you are, no matter who this friend is, sooner or later, life's going to throw something your way. There's going to come a misunderstanding or a miscommunication. There's going to come an awkward situation in which one of those two people feels like they got worked over. They got the short end of the stick. They got really hurt. They did not get a fair deal. They did not get a fair shake. And and now what's going to happen? Well, here's how God has organized his world. God says, I'm going to flow into your life this thing called grace, and I'm going to give you the grace or the power to be able to deal with that, either by talking to them and and, and working it out, or by saying, you know, in the grand scheme of life, it really doesn't make any difference. I just let it go. But God's going to give you the grace one way or the other to deal with that thing that to you seems so unfair. But What happens when you decide to reject the grace to deal with it? Now you don't have the power to deal with it. So what does it do? It just sits in your life and it festers. And it festers. And it festers. And it's like an infection in your soul. And when you don't treat an infection, it gets wider and it goes deeper, doesn't it? That's exactly what happens until what started out as a disappointment or a hurt ends up as bitterness. Have you ever talked to the ex-best friend of another person and felt like they just puked bitterness all over you? That's a mental image you didn't want to take from church, isn't it? We've all talked to somebody. And, 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 and they just spew venom. And you're thinking, what's up with that? And then you find out this person that they're spewing venom about used to be their best friend. That's what you're looking at. That relationship went toxic because one or both of them rejected God's grace to deal with a situation that they needed to deal with. So, what's that all under? Friendships change. So you know what that means? Principle number three is this. It means that I have to continually... Wisdom would require that I continually monitor and adjust my friendships. I need to monitor... In fact, here's what the Bible says. Wisdom will save you... From evil people, from those whose words are twisted. Look in verse 16 of that same chapter. It says, Wisdom will save you from the immoral woman. By the way, that's oh, just general words. It could be an immoral man too. Wisdom will save you from that, from that person. So it says... from from the seductive words of a promiscuous woman. And then verse 20 says, follow the steps of the good man instead and stay on the paths of the righteous. All of those things require wisdom. They all require discretion. And that means that you have to continually monitor and then adjust your friendships. Let me read you a fairy tale that illustrates why you need to do that. Once upon a time, there was a beautiful princess who had four suitors. All the young women in the church said, "Yeah, may the Lord smite me with that, huh okay anyway, all right, here we go. She loved her fourth suitor the most and adorned him with rich robes and treated him to the finest of delicacies. She gave him nothing but the best. She also loved the third suitor very much and was always showing him off to neighboring kingdoms. However, she feared that one day he would leave her for another. She loved her second suitor as well. He was her confidant and always kind, considerate, and patient with her. Whenever she faced a problem, he would help her through difficult times. And last of all, she had a fourth suitor as well. He was a very loyal partner and had made great contributions in maintaining her, her wealth and kingdom. However, she did not love him. Although he loved her deeply, she hardly took notice of him. One day, the princess fell deathly ill, and she knew her time was short. She thought of her luxurious life and wondered, I have four suitors, but when I die, I'll be all alone. So she asked the fourth suitor this question. I have loved you the most. I've endowed you with the finest of clothing. I've showered you with great care. Now that I'm dying, will you follow me and keep me company? (laughs) No way, he replied, and he walked away without another word. Shocked, surprised, and deeply hurt, she turned to her third suitor and asked, I've loved you all of my life. Now that I'm dying, will you follow me and keep me company? No, replied the third suitor, life is too good. When you die, I'm going to marry someone else. Her heart sank and turned cold. Turning to her second suitor, she asked with some desperation, I've always turned to you for help. You've always been there for me when I die. Will you follow me and keep me company? I'm very sorry, he said but I cannot help you out this time. I will walk with you to your grave, but after that, I'm afraid you're on your own. Horror struck and deeply grieved, the princess fell to the ground and began to cry. When she paused to catch her breath, she heard a voice. I'll go with you. I'll follow you no matter where you go. Scarcely believing her ears, she looked up to see her fourth suitor. He was skinny, suffering from malnutrition and neglect. Grateful, but also feeling very guilty, the princess clung to him. I'm so sorry. I should have taken much better care of you. I didn't know it, but all along, you have been my most loyal and faithful suitor. In truth, each of us has those same four suitors In this life, and they vie for our time and affection. The fourth is our body, and most of us lavish great time and expense on it, trying to make it look good. The third is our possessions, our status, and our wealth. We show them off to others, but when we die, they go marry someone else. The second is our family and friends. They walk with us through this life and all the way to our grave, but they cannot follow us. And the first is our spirit or our soul. Although often neglected in the pursuit of beauty, possessions, and entertainment in life, it is the only thing that will follow us in death. I want you to think about that with me for a minute. Every person you invite into your life will either pull your spirit or your soul, the most important thing you own, in one direction or another. That's why you constantly monitor every relationship in your life and then adjust so that your spirit or your soul is well taken care of and well protected. Principle number four is this. Being a healthy friend is more important than finding one. People come to me oftentimes and, Pastor, I'm so lonely. I'm just looking for a friend. No one will be my friend. I've never seen a world with such terrible people in it. And they're looking for a friend. Now, being a friend is far more important than finding one. In fact, here's what the Bible says. A man who has friends must, show, must himself be friendly. In other words, there's this sowing and reaping thing. Now, I was reading an article the other day, and it was written by a fellow by the name of John Fisher. And John Fisher wrote the book, um, What in the World Are We Here For? He also is a columnist for a Contemporary Christian and writes for other Christian magazines. He's a, he's a public speaker who often speaks in seminars and so forth. And in an article in Decision magazine, he revealed this about himself. He said, not being a friend to anyone else has left me friendless in return. Think about that for a minute. And then he went on to say, I figured people wanted to be around me and to hear about my favorite subject, me. Reminds me of a line in a movie, and I don't remember the movie, but I do remember the line, because the main character was just going on and on and on about herself, and she finally kind of stopped and she said, okay, enough about me. Now, let's talk about you. What do you think about me? (laughs) You know, being a healthy friend is more important Than finding one. In fact, you know what the words I wrote down? I wrote down these words in my notes. I wrote the word self select. You know, when you decide to become a healthy friend, let's go back to our video of the guy with the sign of free hugs. Did you notice he did not hold up a sign that said, I could use a hug? What did the sign say? Free hugs. I'm here to give them away, I'm here to be a good friend. I'm not just looking for a good friend. I just want to be a good friend. And when you set your mind to be a good friend, to genuinely care about the people you come in contact with, when you set your mind to genuinely pull people in a healthy direction and and just exert a wonderfully warm, accepting influence that gently tugs at them, in the right direction and when you really care about what happens in their life and when you will be willing to to go out of your way to make sacrifices so that what happens in their life is actually for their good. You know, something you will never hurt for friends in this world. But if you go looking for friends, you might look a long time because being a healthy friend is much more important than finding one as we close i want to give you one thing to do the worship band is going to come and they're going to they're going to sing a song that i really want you to just listen to because as you look at the friendships in your life even as i've spoken this morning some of you have thought of oh my goodness here's a friend That Boy, that ended painfully. And when I said, have you ever ever been hurt by a best friend? And and immediately, I know even as I was talking, I, I can think of two or three in my life. Literally people who just up and walked out of it one day. I still miss them. I still wish that they were in my life. It may or may not happen. I don't know. But when a friendship has gone south, not just someone who was a reasoned friend or a seasoned friend, but, but, but when there was some, someone that I really, really relied on and it, and it didn't just kind of dissipate, it kind of ended in an explosion and somebody was really hurt. Either they were toxic or I was toxic or we both were. And as the worship band sings, I lift my friend to you. It's really a prayer. I, I just want you to think about those relationships. And as much as you are able to this morning, I want you to pray for those people and pray for yourself. Because sometimes we can be toxic and we don't even know it. And maybe, even though we're mad at them, maybe we were the ones who really poisoned that relationship. But you know, in the end, it kind of doesn't make any difference because if my friend was toxic, I need to lift my friend so that, so that somehow they would allow God to bring health into their life so they don't do that to someone else. And if I was the one that was toxic, I not only need to pray for myself, but I've left them damaged and hurt and possibly scarred. I need to pray for them. <coughs> So as the worship team sings, would you just process and pray? Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.